All men are created equal, but they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Fight, liberty, and the If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. Make America great again. The Big Mac. Welcome back to the Big Mig Show. I am your host, Lance Miliacho, with my co-host, George Ballantine, grinding away like he usually is, getting all the production done. George, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good, Lance. You know, I had a nice, relaxing day. I was out to lunch with my brother and another friend of mine, chilling, relaxing, taking a knee day to myself, much needed day. That's good. Hopefully, you know, it's always good to take some of those days. I'm not very good at taking those. I feel like most of the time I'm so busy that I don't have time to take one, but I probably need to do more of that. I've been like that for like months now, so. Yeah. Yeah, you're much better at it than I am. So as you guys know, tip of the spear, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. And you know that's what the Big Mig Show is all about. We're going to bring you the right receipts, the right proof. We're going to bring you all the information and we're going to let you decide for yourself. And that includes the right guests. And tonight is no different than any other night. And you know the plan here, right? And we've talked about it many times, you guys. Educate and unify the country through that education. Get away from mainstream media, get away from the falsehoods and the narratives and how they try to keep us divided. We unite, we the people, against the D.C. cabal, Washington, D.C., because you know the big MIG, it's a uniparty, brother. It's all about the uniparty, and we believe that we know that that is the truth, that we'd be surprised if there's 20 or 30 honest executive members uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the executive branch. So tonight, we have a really special guest. Uh, if you haven't seen his interview, you sure as hell should. He's fresh off Tucker Carlson, um, and that interview right now, I believe, is 30 million-plus views. Mike Benz has obviously been studying this, uh, this information and researching it for an extremely long time. His knowledge base, I have to say, is a little intimidating. I was going through it. I feel like I'm relatively knowledgeable. I, dis- I, I digest a lot of material weekly and have been doing so for years and years and years. A lot of the names he came up with during that interview I was familiar with, <laughs> but the depth of information he had uh, was kind of mind-blowing. George, you, I know you watched the interview. What did you think? Uh, it, was, it was awesome. Like I'm laughing because I don't think Tucker knew a lot of what he was bringing up in, in, in that sense because some of the topics were... You know, yeah. we've been we've been discussing it for a while. Some some of it, but not as in depth as Mike, though. I mean, man. well, you know, when you start talking about Department of Homeland Security, size, uh, Graphica, uh, you know, State Department, and the National Endowment for Democracy, when you start intertwining those, and you really understand how they come together and what they're doing, uh, but I have to be honest with you, Mike presented some information, uh, and let me tell you what happened. I was watching the interview. And I think I got into about five minutes of it and I started DMing Mike because I wanted to make sure I I got him for an interview as soon as I could because I wanted the listeners and subscribers on our show to really grasp it. The one thing about Mike, and I'll tell you what, I have never seen Tucker quite as quiet. Wait, wait a minute. Let me say this. I think Mike Benz might have kept Tucker as quiet as Tucker was with Putin. 
Because I thought Putin took control of that interview. I hate to say it. I feel like Mike Benz, not that he intentionally did it. He did it through his incredible amount of knowledge. That's how he took it. But Tucker was, uh, I think, shocked by a lot of it. Uh, and I think it was great that 30 million people have taken the time to look at it. Uh, George, throw up the thumbnail quick. Let's let him take a look at Mike and see what he looks like. There he is. And I want to just throw up George Media One just to show where the Tucker views are. I just took a snapshot of it sitting at 30 million. It could be 30 million plus. Uh, there's no counter that goes above that, you know, meaning that they don't they don't take it out to the additional digits. Really? Yeah, 47,000 reposts, 112,000 likes. Thir but the, the key one that really propelled this is 30,000 bookmarks. All right, so I've got a bio on Mike here. Uh, you know, I just got it, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give it to you guys really quickly. Mike Benz is the executive director of Foundation for Freedom Online, a nonprofit watchdog dedicated to protecting digital liberties and restoring the free and open internet. During the Trump administration, Benz was in charge of the cyber portfolio for the U.S. State Department, where he served as the deputy assistant secretary of, for international communications and information technology. The role included formulating and negotiating U.S. policy on internet diplomacy issues, as well as interfacing with private industry and civil society in the big tech space. Prior to his State Department role, Benz served as White House speechwriter for President Trump and advised on technology policy before his time in the public sector, Ben's practiced business law as an attorney in New York, representing technology companies and financial firms. And man, listen, he's got, uh, th these are accomplishments in digital free speech, credited by the New Yorker for leading the multi-front media legal and legislative push to take on the censorship industry. Ben's foundation, FFO, was created by the Washington Post in June for starting the avalanche of media and le legislative pressure against government censorship funding in 2022. Nature, the prestigious science journal, credited Ben's org, saying the idea Oh, yeah, he's saying, am I going too far? Mike says he doesn't need any more. Yeah, I was going down the whole thing. <laughs> no, <this is laughs> All right, listen, Mike, let's bring you in. I, there's really, am I embarrassing you? Because listen, this nah, is this. Let me bring him in. Guy, you know, this is like the who's who. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right? You know, my, you're going to see my mug, and it's like I was this guy. You know, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> Mike Ben. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Welcome to the Big Mig Show. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for hey, coming we on. We appreciate you taking the time and coming on so quickly after your Tucker interview. Um, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, I, as you know, I didn't get a chance to read the bio before and I found some small blurbs on the internet about you, but they were just about worthless. Um, I didn't know you were just a, a speechwriter for Trump. Yeah. Interesting. I had no idea about that. So that's interesting in itself. That must have been an interesting time period for you. Um, listen, were you surprised, Tucker? Did you think it was going to blow up like it did? Did you think it would get the views it has? And what, what kind of, has there been any negative and the positive from it? Uh, I sort of did. Um, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a really genuine conversation. And I think when you have a genuine, authentic exchange uh, and you combine that with the platform reach, um, that someone like Tucker has, it's, it's kind of the perfect recipe for a, a sort of human moment that also helps educate a lot of people and clarify things. And I, you know, sort of had that impression at, you know, midway through the conversation, frankly, and I think Tucker did too. I think that's the reason that it went the length that it did. You know, most of, uh, most of those interviews tend to be, you know, 25 to 40 minutes. And, uh, I think <laughs> we, we both realized this is just, this story just has to come out. Yeah, there's no doubt. The amount of information you dropped, I, I imagine that some people were overwhelmed. I went through and went back and forth in slow mode. I was working on it today, looked at some of your other interviews. 
and trying to put all the pieces together with some of the knowledge I had. It, it is downright, not only is it uh, you know intimidating, it's overwhelming in its own way, but also incredibly frightening. Um, the reactions since the interview, obviously your social media has blown up. You've gotten a crazy amount of followers in a short window, it seems. Um, what's, give me the positive. How many people have reached out to you and said, Mike, thanks so much for the interview. What's the positive been from the interview? Yeah, a lot of that. I mean, it's it's one of these things where, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to have had, um, you know, people following me in, you know, in a pretty short space of time since I really became active uh, on social media something like 14 months ago. And, you know, from my perspective, this was, this was another interview and it, it's, it's doing very well. And I'm glad that it, it's had the impact that it's had, uh, but I try not, I'm trying not to, you know, think about it as some seismic watershed, even if, if that's the way it, it may be, because my, my have to stay completely faithful to my mission and not really pay attention to, uh, to outside noise. So I'm, I have to keep preaching my gospel and singing my song and not really pay attention to, um, what the chatter about it is. Yeah. I mean, obviously your Epic Times interview was also a crazy interview. I don't know if it caught the momentum, although I think it's been also very, very popular, the amount of people that have seen it, but you obviously go into greater detail in that interview. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I'm hoping we can do tonight on some areas is kind of clear up where I think there might be some people that don't completely understand. Cause when we talk about topics like this, we're always wondering, who created the narrative, right? So what, you know, Mike, now that you said that, what is your mission? What, what, what made you go down this road of exposing the truth like you are? Because obviously we know that that brings a lot of negativity with it from both sides of the aisle when you really lay them out and explain exactly what's going on in their master plan. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a long story. It's, it sort of winds through a lot of different aspects of my own sort of personal and professional trajectory. I mean, the, the short story is I was an avid chess player as a kid and I sort of lived through the era, the era when Gary Kasparov was defeated by Deep Blue and everyone was, you know, everyone my age as a, as a little kid was starting to use these chess engines for analyzing chess moves. And um, I lived through that period where the, the elders and the sort of older funny buddies in the room were completely convinced that machines would never overtake humans. And it was mm. completely obvious to me as a kid that that couldn't be right, even though the adults were right about everything else, this couldn't be the case. And then watching is like the aftermath of that basically took the, a lot of the soul out of kind of ended the romantic period of, of chess. And I remember, you know, it was August, 2016 when I, uh, when I first came across the thing that kind of changed my life, which is I, I came across and I didn't remember which hyperlink I radical like click through to even get there, but I, I looked up what DARPA was doing on the development of AI censorship super weapons to be able to uh, that worked very similar to the way chess engines do in terms of but but for mapping human speech on social media and for the purpose of so-called content moderation, i.e. censorship. And I thought, oh my God, they're they're developing uh, you know, basically, this is a new Manhattan project, and they're creating a, a weapon of mass destruction for being able to take out speech online. So that was when I first opened up a, a word processor in August 2016 and wrote the, the words at the top of the page, weapons of mass deletion. And I set about the quest that basically I've been on for eight years now to uh, tell people the story of the development of, you know, the 
the censorship technology that, that we now live under. We didn't live under it at the time. I was, uh, I had uh, basically a multi-year odyssey of trying to, uh, basically living through what I did as a kid with the chess thing, not me trying to tell everybody, listen, they're developing this, they're gonna roll it out. And of course, you know, immediately Google Jigsaw began to retail all of this after the 2016 election, then there became a cottage industry. And then, and then I watched as, a, as an industry evolved around it, and that was when I began to uh, sort of broaden it from being just about the censorship technology side to the story of the censorship industry. Yeah, and that obviously that industry seems to be uh, getting traction very quickly. Uh, you know, you were talking about hybrid warfare and the Department of Dirty Tricks on a couple of your interviews. And of course, as always, what everybody wants to know, right, we're always wondering who's behind the drape. You know, the Wizard of Oz, it's, I'm, I'm comparing it to that, but who actually is behind the drape? And when you talk about the Department of Dirty Tricks, and I know there's lots of agencies involved, but I always wonder, because we see it on mainstream media, we see the creation of a narrative and how it gets momentum. It starts out, Congress makes a comment on something, then, then here comes the mainstream media, then here come the paid shills, the bots, and the rest of the push, and that's how they get the momentum behind the actual narrative. It doesn't matter whether it's the Russian collusion hoax with the dirty 51 plus 8 or 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 if they want to do, run a counter offensive against the Hunter Biden laptop it, it's always an organized who do you really think is in, is in I mean who's pulling the trigger on the de department of dirty tricks who's actually creating the 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 you know the the early narrative who does that who do you think it is well in general i sort of answered this question by by saying the blob you know the the, the blob is the term that Obama's deputy national security advisor, Ben Rhodes, called for the, for the foreign policy establishment. That was his word for the sort of amorphia of the blob was a movie back in the, mm. like the 1950s about this I remember it. alien space monster <laughs> who took the form of this gelatinous yeah. blob that was sort yeah. of ill-defined. It looked like slime, but it was yeah. pink. Right, yeah. right. But it was yeah. basically indestructible and amorphous and it, yeah. uh, uh, and... Uh, and that ooey gooey shape of it was sort of it's it's uh, the thing you were confronting. It wasn't these sharp T Rex teeth of a highly defined thing that'll cut you. It's just this this massive thing. And I actually think that's the most useful way to think of it. And, and I can sort of lay out you know what I you know what essentially what my thesis is around the shape of the blob, which I think is sort of the more interesting part of this. But I would I would say you know you can sort of it's not always one particular faction of the blob that is, you know, in charge all the time. These different power structures wax and wane over time. They're, they're, they're always evolving. They're always competing with each other for who's in the senior seat versus the junior seat. I mean, it really is a complex stakeholder ecosystem. And, and within that, there's a lot of internecine battles uh, over that. But they do have common enemies, such as populism, i.e. like the Trump movement, in the U.S. or you know right and left wing populist you know movements in Europe, uh, and so it does look like they are all aligned. Uh, but, the, but they, I, I mean, I'll just say as somebody who has spent the the you know most of my life for the past decade um, knowing these people essentially better than I I know <laughs> almost myself or or my own friends and family in a certain respect. There, there's a lot of work that goes into that consensus building architecture 
uh, in order to come up with the framing of narratives and to come up with the, the sort of uh, stakeholder coalition who will champion them or who will set or who will be responsible for censorship or who will be responsible for, for the different sides of propaganda or control, whether at the legal, the policy, or the regulatory level. Uh, and, and there's a number of different consensus-building institutions that play a leading role in this. And even they are competing with each other for, for who's you know, uh, intermediating that. So you know, uh, I think that the first thing Americans need to understand is that this, this blob is, uh, is, it concerns the managers of the American empire not so much, um, you know, the welfare or, or folks uh, responsible for the, for the stewardship of the American homeland. And what I mean by that is we are, you mentioned the Department of Dirty Tricks and you mentioned, you know, these, these foreign facing institutions like the Department the, the Pentagon and the State Department and whatnot. You know, we created in the aftermath of World War II and, you know, in our pursuit of the American century, um, a powerful apparatus to be able to control uh, the internal politics of every other country on the face of the planet in order to secure our own national interests and the interests of our corporations and our financial stakeholders. And with a theory of sort of, you know, long before Reagan, you know, there, there was still that trickle-down theory that, well, if you're doing, you know, if, if we have a CIA and a Pentagon and a State Department and an NGO complex spanning thousands of different independent media and civil society and academic institutions to create surround sound and to create soft power projection mechanisms that um, if we say, you know, overthrow the government of Congo or Nigeria or, you know, some Latin American country or Eastern European country to protect the interests of ExxonMobil or Microsoft, then in theory, then that is, you could argue that, that that Department of Dirty Tricks may have been responsible for the incredible manufacturing miracle and boom to our middle class in the 20th century in the sense that it was only through having these, these global markets abroad that were pried open at the barrel point of, you know, by gun, by the Pentagon and the CIA, um, that we may have been able to have even had the, uh, the amount of wealth and, and standard of living that we now have. But then essentially, you know, starting in, you could probably peg it around the 1990s, there began to be this very serious and growing chasm between what was in the interest of the managers of the empire, you know, the whole world outside the U.S., and the welfare of the citizens who actually live here. But the, but the thing is, is, we imbue the managers of the American empire with dirty tricks powers that are never supposed to be used on our own people because they're supposed to, at the end of the day, be serving us. The only reason that we have an empire in theory is because the citizens enjoy the spoils and the wealth accrued, you know, from, from the empire. When, when the people in the homeland decide to vote for a different policy of how to manage the empire, and the empire managers say, uh, actually, um, we don't want you to do that. So we're going to take the same Department of Dirty Tricks that are banned under law in the 1947 Act, and we're just going to basically ignore that and turn that on you. Uh, then, then what even is the country? It's, 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 you know, it's just military. The origins cool. of the surveillance state, when you go back and you look at the OSS and Bill Donovan and you look at the origins of what happened, obviously that was very specific. They were using it to, to do surveillance on the Japanese and doing surveillance on the Germans. That was part of the big plan. 
and some other countries, but those were the big focus because of World War II. And those early trappings of the OSS, obviously we know that was the early design and infrastructure for the CIA. But when you look at the surveillance state and where it's gone, I mean, obviously the internet, I think, started in 1991, if I'm right. And, and, Nobody would have expected we would have gotten to where we are now. Nobody would have expected that the, the information highway that was created really worked both ways. I don't know how much work. There's lots of theories, like I was talking to you backstage, the Erickson Report and otherwise, of the, how, what the control is behind the scenes. Rodney Joffe, Newstar, and many other entities that control the backbone. And we're talking about the censorship uh, industrial complex in a lot of ways. And what you've really uncovered here to me is just a real lack. And, that, and we've caused this ourselves in our own way. And I think you, you touched on this a little bit, accountability and consequences. You know, the church committee, uh, you know, for a lot of people, you mentioned that. I don't know if everybody knew what that was. Uh, I think that was the original name for the, the United States Senate Select Committee, right? Do I have that right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think right. so. There were, there were so yeah, yeah and, and they were they were they were supposed to be uh, investigating abuses in '75 against the CIA. They found abuses. I think they investigated the NSA, FBI, IRS, and so many other agencies. The same agencies right now that are hot topics in our media constantly for their abuse of power or their overextension of what their their charter is or their their ability to seem to wiggle their way around laws, whether they're surveillance laws using cyber. Uh, you know, and, and, and there's, a, there's a guy that you may not know this name, Dennis Montgomery. He is a person that came out as a whistleblower. The U.S. has tried to discredit him, uh, a high-level programmer. Uh, he's made pro, uh, programs like Project Orca, as example, is one of the surveillance programs he created. But he created the Hammer supercomputer and the Hammer Exploit. Shortly after 9-11, uh, the government contracted with him to create this foreign surveillance system. It wasn't shortly thereafter in 2006 that he became a whistleblower and identified that the U.S. government was using our foreign surveillance systems on the American people. They had actually turned the corner. Now, you mentioned 2016 as the date you really think because of Brexit and the Trump election. I know you mentioned that. Your thoughts on this, because do you believe that maybe this all could have been stopped and we wouldn't gotten to this, this what I consider really a tipping point in, in, in surveillance, really? Do you think it could have been stopped if there'd been more accountability and more consequences along the way? Or do you think that these deep state agencies like the CIA, the NSA, Department of Homeland Security, and this kind of incestuous cross-charter relationship they created where foreign surveillance, oh, I don't know whose material that is. It could be the FBI's. I don't know, but we're looking at it because obviously they all work out of Fort Washington, Fort Detrick. Do you think any of that could have been stopped or do you think this was just on its own, took on a life of its own like the blob? Um, you know, I think that some of the surveillance issues are, are, are broader than the censorship ones because the surveillance is so sweeping and, you know, you don't have a first amendment right against the government, you know, um, you know, having a camera trained on you, uh, although, you know, there, there are, you know, the regulations in Europe around that with things, um, uh, well, I, I'm not. I'm not sure how to answer that because you know. T to me, what you're describing is something that has roots that go back, you know, so far. I mean, there's the question of the, the political utility of calling somebody a foreign asset, you know. And the the thing, you know, the example I like to talk about is, you know, when the the church committee hearings that, that you described were were because of the CIA's persecution of left wing anti war voices. Mm -hmm. There was um, the, there was uh, I mean this. The, the roots of the church committee go back to the whistleblower allegations of, of uh, Christopher Pyle, who mm -hmm. came forward in 1970 
and said that, hey, I'm, I'm working in U.S. military intelligence for the Army, and I was given a directive that we need to spy on any domestic group that congregates with 20 or more people. So if there's a women's knitting club, and uh, and they have 20 or more people uh, that are participating in that meeting, we need to we need to have eyes on it because we might have a counterintelligence threat. There might be a counterinsurgency. We might need to deploy our counterinsurgency, you know, capacities to uh, to take that on. And this is one of the reasons that the Church Committee, you know, didn't just didn't just go after the CIA. They also went after the the NSA, the uh, the FBI, and even mm-hmm. the IRS because of the political targeting there. But what, you know, what ended up happening with with Martin Luther King, you know, the the reason the FBI. Got was able to get the predicate to wiretap him and to be able to essentially terrorize him with the COINTELPRO operation. Um, wasn't because of his civil rights advocacy. It was because they argued his largest financial backer was a guy named Stanley Levison. Stanley Levison was affiliated with the Communist Party, and the Communist mm-hmm. Party was arguing to be an extension of the Soviets. And so, boom, just like that, they said he's he might be a Russian agent, and we need to... So therefore, we need to have surveillance on him constantly, uh, and we can whip out our Department of Dirty Tricks because we need to protect national security. And so he wasn't just surrounded by FBI guys. He was surrounded by, I think, one of his bodyguards. I mean, there was CIA all over him and Malcolm X. And, and a lot of this was it was because, it, you know, if you go back in the contemporaneous literature from that, he was very self-aware when he merged the civil rights movement with the anti-war movement that it was, he, I mean, a lot of this... Black nationalist advisors were telling him, "Don't do this because you're taking on too big a fish." Uh, and you know yeah. what's amazing is, is you know that the the universal thumb has essentially come come full circle with the left wing populists being persecuted, you know, uh, in in the 1960s and 70s. And now we sort of have a church committee 2.0. That's at least what the Jim Jordan you know weaponization subcommittee yeah. is is trying to do. But for right wing populists, um, because left wing populism has been completely purged from the DNC. You know, and, and, and all of that makes sense to me, you know, and I always think it's funny that they, that intelligence abuses always come with the, 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 the you know, the, the, the qualifier, national security. Oh, this is a domestic terrorist situation. We're going to have to increase our surveillance. The surveillance state is really good, I always think, in packaging up. They give it the right acronym and the right spin, and that's what it is. We've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the surveillance state on steroids and the tipping point of 2016. Mike's going to tell us all about the Pentagon and CIA. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Don't go nowhere. Gear up for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue-collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup. 
a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet-founded, vet-focused, and beard-operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee. Make your mornings great again. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98. Or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to mypillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six piece towels for only $29.98. Or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome to the next generation of warfare. Psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide. The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now. Welcome back to the Big Mig Show. Here with your hosts, Lance Miliaccio, George Ballantine, and our guest, Mike Benz, from the other day on Tucker Carlson. Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors, Sea of Mud Patriotic Apparel. You get all your apparel needs there. You get the Big Mig t-shirts there, coffee cups, hats, stickers. Don't forget, we got Beard Vet Coffee. Lance is showing it off right now. Beard Vet Coffee. Veteran... Supportive coffee. He's got the hat. I'm doing the going. Dana White hand. You know the Dana White hand where we go. Oh, oh hold on. Let me give him a here's show. Here's the Hold on. Do it again. Do it again for everybody. The, the Dana, Dana White hand when you go. Oh, the Keurigs. Yeah. The tumbler. It's a beard. The tumbler. Also, my, also my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> you can get your best geezer sheets, pillows, blankets, robes, towels. Mypillow.com. Use the promo code the Big Mig. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, but. If I do, oh, not. SK Graphics, Siberian Kittens, skgraphics.com. She's got some 
the Big Mick Boss t-shirt, the Boss t-shirt for everybody who wants to know. All right, so we're going to get back into this, but I want to talk about real quick, I'm going to bring up Mike. You talked about in 2014, actually, when a lot of this started, um, suppression of our free speech. So it was called the Gerasimov Doctrine, right? Russian general. And yeah. they did it because of the annexation of uh, Crimea, that people's voices traveled so far that they wanted this. and But, you know, the CIA, all these countries, other countries didn't want it. So this is what started it. So I want you to go a little deep in effect because this is what we're facing today, why we're being suppressed, because they don't want us, the people, anybody, voices heard. They want what they want. They want the CIA, the government wants what they want. And, you know, we're, in a, we're on an uphill battle still every day because even on X right now, we're being suppressed. A lot of people text me that the show, they can't find it. So, you know, they don't like you, Mike. <laughs> Whenever you're over the the target, usually we get some regular death threats in our DMs. It's always it's always refreshing to see those because I feel like we're doing a good job when that happens. So, Mike, the yeah. tipping point is 2014 really the start? You think? Well, yes, I would say that was when the the, the doctrine of internet freedom um, as an unalloyed good in the eyes of the blob, you know, our State Department, Defense Department, CIA, plus stakeholder group, um, be, began shifting the Titanic. You know, you know, if you have a large boat, it takes a long time to sort of do that U-turn. And it was full steam ahead from 1991 to 2014. And it, it wasn't really until, you know, that 2014 to 2016 period that they started turning that boat and then, you know, that turn was sort of completed in the, with the 2016 um, Philippines election and then Brexit and then, uh, and then, and then the Trump election. Uh, but, but, you know, just to go back to that 14 story, you mentioned uh, the Russian general, Valery Garasimov, who has been now uh, sanctioned, you know, uh, through, through after the 2022 uh, military, uh, you know, ex excursion into, into Ukraine. But there's, at the time, um, NATO had gone you know, 70 some years without, without firing a, a bullet in any defensive way or having to even fight a defensive war. You know, they, they, NATO didn't fire a single bullet from 1949 until 1995. You know, it was created as a defensive alliance uh, and, you know, representing the entire Western military world's militaries. And yet it never actually was a military, never fired a bullet uh, for the first 46 years. And then they decided to go on the offense um, instead of dissolving after the Cold War, uh, they, they were a Cold War fighting function. The Cold War ended and they decided, well, hey, you know, no one can challenge us. So now we're just going offense. So they, you know, they bombed Yugoslavia and they bombed Libya and, and they were this, this offensive force. And then 2014 happens. You know, we, we do this, we do this coup in Ukraine. We overthrow the democratically elected president of Ukraine by the people of Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych. Love him or hate him, that's just, that's just the facts. He was democratically elected, uh, and the entire eastern half of Ukraine is overwhelmingly Russian ethnic. So it makes a lot of sense that that the, the country's government would be a sort of hybrid interest of both NATO and Russians. But uh, you know, we thought that we had hegemonic power over all things around the globe and got uh, a little overzealous with our regime change operations. 
We, we pump $5 billion worth of taxpayer money into the State Department, the USAID, and the National Endowment Democracy's funding of, of Ukrainian paramilitary corps and civil society institutions to, to effectuate that. And then the State Department and the CIA and the DOD were not expecting the consequences of that um, when, when, the, when there was a counter coup. When the Donbass broke away and declared itself a breakaway republic, not respecting the new U.S. installed government, and when when uh, Crimea uh, independently voted to join the Russian Federation, and this was uh, a really critical, critical, critical moment. You know, a lot of people think it's a critical moment because of what's going on right now with with Russia, you, you know, Russia Ukraine. Um, but is is everything okay? There's oh, no, you're great. You're good. Okay. Um, you know, but, but from my perspective, it's actually the, the critical moment of the creation of the censorship industry because, you know, I was working on this story many, many years before the actual hot war broke out. And you, sh- I mean, you just should have seen what, they, what these people were, were saying in their own high level stakeholder meetings that they would even, you know, post on, on NATO YouTube pages uh, and uh, in, in their own, you know, white papers and and uh, official journals of CIA cutouts at the National Endowment for Democracy. It was incredible. After 2014, they, NATO became convinced that war was over. There was no such thing as military hot war anymore. They, they Now, first of all, I don't know if they were actually convinced of that or if that was just a useful political framing device in order to accomplish what, what they would go on to do in terms of the military's entry into the media space. But essentially what they did is they said, listen, What's the use of having uh, NATO as as a, as a formidable military alliance if the civilians in a country can vote to to uh, to you know undermine a NATO policy? Then if if Russia is influencing hearts and minds in NATO countries and persuading them to do military policies or energy policies, because at the time NATO was pursuing this bankruptcy plan against Russia. To, to bankrupt Gazprom and drive their national revenues down to zero. And that would have a spillover effect on Russian military exports because you know, Russia provides arms to paramilitary gangs all over, you know, from sub-Saharan Africa into Latin America, into, you know, into Central Central Asia, essentially to oppose, mm-hmm. you know, US, US military interventions there. It's the reason we that Obama was stymied in Syria, for example. It was because Russia's military industrial complex was able to pump out all these S-400 air defense systems that prevented us from, from control in the way that we were able to control Baghdad. But you could, you could kill that if you could simply kill Russia's economy. And the plan to do that involved this, you know, what I described as the grand Ukraine energy play, but this involved, um, uh, this involved privatizing Ukraine's state-owned uh, natural gas assets, prying, prying Russia out of the natural gas market, and, uh, and then you have basically these windfall profits to the Wall Street and London stakeholders of the, of, of the, the hydrocarbon industry, and Russia is reduced to rubble. And so this, this, this plan you know, relied on all of the countries in Europe going along with it, because um, there's, there's a plain market fact that is inescapable as the law of gravity, which is that gas coming in from a natural pipeline uh, you know, straight from the source to, to the destination is multiple times cheaper than gas that, that, that you know, basically, you know, uh, going from, from uh, some offshore, uh, you know, rig in, uh, in, in the Gulf of Mexico 
expensively liquefying it, shipping it 7,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean, deliquefying it, and then putting it in a pipeline to the distribution. And that, and that, that market um, differential means European countries do, did not want gas that was coming in, 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 that, uh, in that LNG form if they could vote for it. And this was coming at a time when right-wing populist parties were already rising in Europe because of the migrant crisis there after the Gaddafi assassination. And, and these were these were working class parties who, who were, you know, predominantly sort of like the, the MAGA movement here. You know, it was a lot of truckers. It was a lot of, you know, union people. a lot of people in the service business uh, who, who the rising price of energy was, was suffocating to. And they were running, and so these movements were running on a sort of economic nationalism. Uh, they might say these parties, I mean, the Brexit movement, I mean, Marine Le Pen's movement in France, the Five Star Movement in Italy, the Vox Party in Spain, uh, you know, the, the Alternative for Deutschland Party in Germany, all over, the, all over the, uh, the Baltics. They were all running on a platform of what was best for their people and what was best for their people in the eyes of those parties were restoring and in fact, uh, increasing and doubling down on uh, normal energy relations with Russia. And this came after 15 years of the State Department doing this coercive energy diversification policy, which was forcing them you know, not to do that. So there became this CIA, Pentagon, State Department, Department of Dirty Tricks license to play God in the internal politics of each of those NATO countries under this hybrid warfare doctrine, because if the AFB party won in Germany, well, then that's Russia controlling Germany's hearts and minds. So if they're going to play hearts and minds information warfare, if they're going to be involved in the media, then we need to be involved in the media. No, this, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. This was happening during, you know, this didn't start in 2014. This was uh, this was happening, you know, completely uh, you know, under the nose of the Marshall Plan from the 1940s into that period. But what was different was this had never happened on social media. The, the infrastructure didn't exist. The technology didn't exist. And, and uh, essentially, you had this, this idea. So the Jerusalem Doctrine that came out in 2014 was, was it took a quote from this Russian general at, right after the Crimea annexation that said the nature of war has changed. War is no longer about militaries fighting against militaries. If, if one simply um, elects the right candidate in another country, that political candidate in a civilian run government is in charge of the military. So you don't need an arm, you don't need a standing army to defeat a standing army. All you need to do is win an election. And to win an election, you need control over the media. And in the modern age, that means social media. They took that quote from Valerie Gerasimov and they said, Oh my God, we need to be, you know, we need to reconfigure NATO to go from tanks to tweets. And that was literally what they said. You can look this as the doctrine was called from tanks to tweets. And Jen Stoltenberg did a whole tour around this, that you know, ahead of NATO. Um, now, you know, a funny thing happened on the way to, that would eventually, that was a little bit too wordy of a phrasing, Jerasimov doctrine. So uh, it, it was given the phrase hybrid warfare, which meant that warfare is now a hybrid of uh, essentially, you know, military and media. And which of course gives unfettered license to the military to control the media. And this is exactly what would go on to happen. You know, if the, there's sort of a cute sidebar to the story in terms of the epilogue of the Gerasimov doctrine, which was the guy who authored it, a NATO scholar named Mark Galliotti, 
uh, would go on three years later to write another NATO periodical saying, oops, I'm sorry, uh, I kind of goofed when I, uh, when I coined the Gerasimov doctrine. Um, Gerasimov wasn't actually talking about what the Russians were doing. He was referring to what America was doing. Um, he was actually referring to us the whole time. So, you know, it's, it's like this whole thing was actually created <laughs> as a kind of like yeah. reflection in the mirror being so monstrous. He did that it. We, you know, we, we started, you know, like we, we became a monster to fight the monster, but actually it was just us looking at ourselves the whole time. Um, but by that point, there were already hundreds of millions, I mean, bill, billions when you stretch it across every NATO country, pouring into this new hybrid warfare, you know, capacity. And, uh, and it became the new money train. And, and just like with whole of society as a, as a term, you know, um, you know, we were talking about that, I forget that was backstage in the last segment, that whole of society is this branding term used about how, how, to, how to justify having the government co-op the private sector, the civil society, and the media sectors of the society. And I want to tell you something, the wording you just used there, I, and I feel like that all the time, whether it's an acronym or a branding term, as you said, it's this constant marketing. At the end of the day, what you're describing right now is not what the American people think is going on because of the narratives that are spun. You know, most of the people here in the country think that the danger comes from the outside, right? We have to face the CCP. We have to face communism from Russia. It's Putin. It's this. It's always that deflective, you know, he did it. She did it. We didn't do it. But really, the truth is, this is really a, when it's not the outside and it's coming from the inside, let me ask you, Mike, how dangerous do you think our government has really become? Because what you're describing here is is a control system. And what you described in your interview, your interview on Epic Times, the one with Tucker, and I'm sure many other interviews that I may have not seen, is that we're, we've got a problem that the government has really weaponized this system. And they've created a system that's so sophisticated that it's hard to get to the truth. Now, you talked about the government, civil societies, platforms, Media, I think I have that right, media all working together to control the narrative. That's a frightening thing, right? Because we're in this situation where you don't know what you can trust that's being put on mainstream media or that our own government, even our press secretary, lies about everything. Yeah, well, I mean, that's nothing new in, in a certain sense. I mean, we've had a, we had a whole of society operation when we, in the 1800s, when we did the banana wars, you know, when, um, when we were overthrowing, you know, governments in Guatemala and Nicaragua to establish, you know, basically fertile agriculture and big sugar exports for United Fruit under the barrel of the War Department. Uh, for the profit of, of uh, private industry. But that was a foreign nation. We're talking about this being right. reversed right. onto the American well, people. Right. Well, well, what's new is our democracy doctrine has come home. And mm -hmm. this is this is the sort of secret sauce of it all. You know, in, in 1917 <clears throat> or whatnot, when Wilson, you know, you know, had his sort of, you know, the, the blob's favorite president is yeah. not Abe Lincoln. It's not George Washington. It's not Joe Biden. It's, you know, it's Woodrow Wilson. Wilson is, you know, is there, you know, the, the, the golden calf that they are an eternal idolat, you know, idolatry, you know, adulation of? Uh, yeah. I would be surprised if they don't bend down in prayer five times a day. It's just an unbelievable, you know, the the, the amount of, of Wilson worship. And this is because, well, with all the statues they've taken behind, maybe they'll replace them with Woodrow Wilson statues. Oh, the country. Country. oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second! You laugh. Wait, you laugh. You oh laugh. God! Don't don't let me be right. That was supposed to be jo a joke. Don't let me be right, Mike. <laughs> they are. So this is this is where the, this is another one of these instances why why if you're watching this again. I beseech you, 
do not like broaden your theoretical, you know, and mental and philosophical tapestry beyond Republican, Democrat, and conservative yes. liberal. Okay, it is foreign policy establishment versus populism. That is what it is. That is, and it is, and to make that more distilled, it is the managers of the American empire versus the citizens of the American homeland. Okay, the managers of the American empire versus the citizens of the American homeland. That is the distinction that cuts through all of this. Okay, and and a great example of this is you know the, the Blob's favorite publication is is the Atlantic. Oh and God, I, I hate that this. rag. Well, it's a fascinating. You know, I think of the Atlantic. Have you ever seen? Uh, you know, you know, you know the movie Men in Black. Yes. You know that that scene towards you know where um, you know the the, the uh, what is his name the main actor uh, you, you know, we, Will Smith. No, the other the other the other guy. Yeah. Oh, whatever. You know, the, the, you know, he, Will Smith sort of mentored the movie. Uh, he's he's yeah. you know, taken the, the the green Will Smith on the job to a to a stand. Yeah. Uh, they go. He, he, they go for an intelligence investigation to, you know, to read what's in the pages of the Enquirer. You know, it's got yeah, yeah, exactly. a giant space alien, you know, yeah. who's, who's well, taking over a young woman's body. And like, yeah, I remember that. Gotta go. <laughs> you know, and this is like the best intelligence on the planet. So I think of the Atlantic as being like, you know, the Enquirer from, uh, from many <laughs> oh, no. It's like, right, I'm going to start to look at it in a different way. <laughs> oh well, my God. It's a, t- I would be, you know what, here's, here's a great idea. If you want to get rich. You know, you. Sh- I'm just waiting. In fact, this is probably you know in a more algorithmic or quantitative fashion already done in many respects. But you know, if you wanted to make a, create a special investment fund trading on sort of geopolitical trends, and you know, if you know a government, if you know that government Nicaragua is about to be overthrown, uh, or you know, there's going to be some stoppage to this canal they're thinking of building there, or you know that yeah. you know, Nigeria is going to have a regime change now, all this oil is going to open up or whatnot. It, Read the Atlantic, okay? And the Atlantic will just and, and make your bets, you know, based on on you know what the yeah, hundreds the, of billions. The of Atlantic dollars. predictive hedge fund. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know what's so amazing is, is you know they they love um, you know the anarcho tyranny BLM Antifa you know hardcore militaristic progressive mob when it's going against right wing populists and it's stopping Trump supporters from holding meetings and it's doxing and you know and destroying and terrorizing them. But when when they came for Wilson, boy, you should have seen the reaction from the Atlantic about how, you know, it's not just the right wing populace we need to worry about. Uh, <laughs> you know, progressivism has gone amok. I mean they they sounded yeah. like the John Birch Society the moment yeah. they, they we call for- that the political flip flop. Whatever's popular, you move over to that when you need to. Whatever doesn't go against your narrative, you move over there. You just keep moving. But I mean, it's it's amazing how the same group will be like you know Abe Lincoln. You know, you're, you know, will will be totally okay with you know uh, a racist president being you know being smashed to bits. But the moment a a racist Woodrow Wilson statue is or you know or a or a, or a Woodrow Wilson center at Princeton is being is about to be renamed. Yeah, you know, there's the intervention from the friggin' State yeah. Department to say no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. He's a good racist because uh, yeah. he actually allows Raytheon and uh, and uh, Exxon Mobil and Microsoft and and Google and Pepsi Cola and Pizza Hut to you know to have these multinational businesses because we need to preserve this legacy. Everything that he touches has to have been you know uh, he had the mightiest touch about everything, and it's you know it's amazing just you know how. Um, but, I mean, it just shows how unprincipled it all is. It's just a naked power exercise uh, for, for the interests of the managers of the empire. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. We see it. We see the coordination. A lot of times it's frightening for all of us when we hear the comments coming out of the WEF or the WHO or the CDC or some of these other organizations that seem to have this elitist outlook. You know, the, the people don't matter. It's all about, uh, you know, green energy, which is a falsehood at this point because we know the technology hasn't caught up. It's conceptually a great idea, but when you start looking at the, the, the battery technology and you look at windmill technology and you can't even recover the cost of a windmill, it's kind of a big scam, right? So there's a lot of groups that are really good at twisting these stories and really painting a picture. National Endowment for Democracy, Election Integrity Partnership. Even the names themselves make me cringe. They always come up with crafty names. There was a name you brought up, the Countering Foreign Influence Task Force. Yeah. Can you provide more details on that? Because you brought it up a couple of times. It's, it's not a department or an agency that I was familiar with up until your interview. Yeah, well, it's super dirty. I mean, the, the whole 2020 election censorship operation was run out of the Department of Homeland Security's Counting Foreign Influence Task Force. You know, this is basically a sub-task force within, within CISA in, in DHS. And, you know, nobody in, in the White House knew what they were doing because they were so cloaked in so many laundered, um, you know, it's, it's like when you want to, you know, you got drug money, you know, coming in from Colombia and it gets laundered through 12 different, you know, offshore banks in the, you know, first it goes into a pizza, you know, it gets laundered through a, through a string of pizza shops and shrimping companies for cash only. And then the cash goes into a bunch of Cayman Island banks and the banks go to interbank transfers. And then, you know, it goes, you know, goes to Miami and then, and then it becomes clean. And now suddenly it's, uh, you know, it's, this it's an NGO. <laughs> yeah. And, well, you know, and there's a similar thing here with, you know, the, the, the censorship operation, you know, that I, that I described on, on Tucker and, and, you know, in, in the Epic Times interviews and that I published a 10,000, I, I mean, I, I based I broke that scandal open a year and a half ago. And, it, you know, this, and we, when my foundation published all of the, you know, the insider videos and set out the whole structure of it. And that's really what brought a lot of all this, you know, crashing down around government, government censorship. But this was, this was in, you know, a, a, a tiny little cybersecurity sub agency that was, that was set up by an act of Congress in, in 2018 and, and Trump, you know, uh, approved that. But again, he was under the gun at the time from the Russiagate investigation and needed favors from the Empire side of the GOP blob in order to protect him from Bob Mueller. Uh, and so, you know, the, the CISA thing, I believe, was, you know, a, a, a function of that. Are, are, we, are we hitting the time? We are going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to finish that. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Mike. Obviously, George is always handy on the breaks. He's really good at it. <laughs> he has to cut me off a lot, too. Uh, listen, when we come back, Definitely. we're going to talk, let Mike finish that, and we're going to go right into the whole of society approach. Who, what, where, why, and how. Don't you guys go anywhere. Important information that you need now on The Big Mick Show. Be right back. Gear up for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue-collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. 
Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup, a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee. Make your mornings great again. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98. Or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98 or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome to the next generation of warfare, psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now. Welcome back to the Big Mig Show. Here we host Lance Miliaccio, George Ballantine, and our guest, Mike Bentz. So, Mr. Mike, I have a question for you since we're talking about the um, weaponization and um, censorship of the government on uh, American people, pretty much the world now. In social media, you'll see people, and we call them trolls, dividers, all the time come, and they're, they're, these are people that say they're for Trump. There's people that used to... They say they supported uh, General Flynn, Roger Stone. Now they're against Flynn and Stone. 
and just coming at you from all different directions, them and a bunch of people. What do you, what do you, in your opinion or your, or what do you know? Are they being paid opposition? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, that's not, not really enough detail for me to be able to answer that. I mean, in general, um, you know, I, I support speech on, on both sides uh, against everybody, including against people that, you know, that we may like or, or agree with. And I hesitate to sort of assess people as trolls because they're hostile. But that's, that's you know, that's how I see it. Okay, fair enough. And, you know, you always have to ask yourself, my thought is, I always think of when I see, uh, you, you put up a post and I see the attack, I often think of bot farms, troll farms. And I always wonder... We've seen the social media influencers that were invited directly to the Biden White House, TikTok influencers, uh, at the time, Twitter influencers, now ex-influencers, large social media accounts, all left-leaning, not middle of the road, not nonpartisan. To me, I do believe there's a there's an approach that's created well, there, a system. We, uh, uh, and I think that's censorship. But that goes along with, you know, what you've been talking about, Mike. And I want you to finish for the audience what you were just talking about. Uh, with with respect foreign to, influence foreign influence task force. foreign influence task force yeah. well you know I mean this is one of these things where you know DHS you know essentially got 22 million tweets by their own estimate um, deemed to be terms of service violations flagged for you know for you know, to be taken down that were you know all essentially pro Trump tweets just on Twitter alone plus. 14 other platforms on the internet in the 2020 election cycle. And that was, that was, that was mediated through a specific wing of CISA called the foreign influence. It was then called the foreign influence task force initially set up, you know, under the, under the Russiagate hoax. Uh, and, you know, a, a, a U.S. citizen sitting on his toilet tweeting about mail-in ballots in Michigan ain't got nothing to do with foreign influence. And they knew that. I mean, at CISA meetings during the height of the 2020 election cycle, actually, in the October mm-hmm. 2020 uh, CISA DHS disinformation summit, mm-hmm. um, you know, they they openly referred to a, to a, a plan to switch DHS's focus from 80% foreign, 20% domestic to 80% domestic, 20% foreign. And by the way, it was it it was uh, it was a lot you know, more than 80. percent You can give it any name you want, though. Isn't that election interference any way we package it? Yeah, I mean, it's North Korea, right? I mean, this is this is the state uh, destroying the ability for citizens to, you know, vote their way out of reforming the state or for another candidate who might, uh, you know, get the state out of power. I mean, it's a total inversion of, of democracy. I mean, this is this goes way, you know, I mean, yes, I, I mean, I totally agree with that assessment. But what's really interesting about the Countering Foreign Influence Task Force is, in, in according to the inspector, Gen- the uh, office of the inspector general of the Department of Homeland Security, in the, in a memo they published in 2022, this is again the Biden administration's own own assessment is where I learned this. But the Countering Foreign Influence Task Force renamed itself in January 2021. Now remember, uh, you know Biden was sworn in on January 20th, I think, in 2021. Mm-hmm. So this was within the first 10 days of Biden being president. His DHS renamed itself from the Countering Foreign Influence Task Force to the generic Office of Mistis and Malinformation. So they so they sort of retroactively papered over 
all of their First Amendment yeah. violations, the, uh, you know, uh, yeah. laundered under a farm predicate, and said, "Well, you know what? Now that we can, now that we're in power, we can throw the clock off. Take this mask off. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's wearing me. Well, here's where we really are. Okay, and, and I'm laughing." Because it's basically they just repackage it, they move it over here, and now it's a it's a tumbler instead of a coffee cup. But at the same time, they've already violated it. What I think is incredible is that sometimes you have to ask yourself, how really dirty is it? Because this was a this was, I mean, obviously the the original plan was control of media and to to affect regime changes, you know. And and our governments had their hand in many elections across the world in corrupting those elections, overturning uh, dictatorships, overturning leadership in foreign countries. Uh, you know, if you you probably know about economic jackals and what they do to destabilize governments with the world banking system against natural resources. This is an on and on process. But you know, you start looking at this and how dangerous dangerous it is it for the American public because now we're talking about is they're using this control over media for regime change on our government. They're not doing it in Venezuela. Or they're not doing it in Iraq or Iran or anywhere else. They're doing it right here in the United States. And I mean, this is serious. And this, and this U.S. government funding that's, you know, dark money, foreign money, NGOs, foundations, and you look at the relationships those groups have with the World Economic Forum and the Bilderberg Group and the Bohemian Grove Group and the rest of them, and this incestuous kind of, uh, like you said, this blob, how dangerous do you think this is for the American public? I mean, this is serious misinformation and disinformation, and, and let's face it. When it comes to COVID, they probably killed a lot of people because they hid good medical advice and good information. They pulled down books. They turned, pulled down doctors from all over the globe that were trying to help people online. They canceled, I don't even know how many. You know, your thoughts, because this seems to me to be an incredibly dangerous situation we're in with our own government. Yeah, it's 11 out of 10 dangerous. Uh, I mean, there's not enough hyperbolic language in, in you know, the American dictionary to be able to, you know, describe what a five alarm fire it is. I mean, we don't have a democracy anymore. We have yeah, I hope the audience heard that. That's 11 out of 10. Mike Benz just gave the dangers of our institutions. And I don't even I don't even know how to call it a U.S. government anymore because it just seems to be an elitist government uh, that thinks they're above the people. But go ahead, Mike. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just want to make sure people caught that 11 out of 10. Every single checklist item that the U.S. Treasury has for passing sanctions on a, on a authoritarian country when it oppresses its own people, we have systematically, um, you know, gone uh, jump rope skipping down that check road, checklist, just merrily ticking off every single box, imprisoning political opponents. Donald Trump is, has four indictments from the regime totaling over 700 years holding many of those hearings in secret, gagging, you know, gag orders so they can't even talk about it, uh, stripping the, you know, them of all their financial assets. You know, what we said, you know, MBS, Mohammed you know, bin Salman did in, in, uh, in Saudi Arabia when he took power. They just stripped Trump of $500 million, $400 million in the, uh, you know, in the damageless uh, allegation around, it, you know, inflated real estate value, and then another $100 million with a, the, State government, right? I mean, the, the E. Jean Carroll case was not possible because of the 20-year statute of limitations. And then her, her legal team backchanneled with the state assembly of, uh, of, of New York State in order to add five more years to that statute of limitations just so that they could bankrupt the president. 
And, and it's so dangerous, the ex post facto kind of style of that, right, that they're actually creating a law. They're giving access after the fact when, when the statutes clearly run out. And it's what I see, you know, and they start, you know, when I see the rule of law, there is no rule of law, right? As long as it's for them, when it's us, sure, they want to indict Mike Benz for the information they put out, they'll figure out some way to do it. I don't think it's very, very much different. And, the, and, the, and what I see is also the destruction of evidence, the Brady material, the exculpatory material they hid in the J6. This, I mean, this weapon of the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA, SISA, uh, this, and, the, and the FBI. I just don't see how you can fix that. We had somebody on here the other day, we were talking about, I don't think it's fixable. It's not that I don't believe we need an FBI. It's not that I don't believe we need a CIA. I just don't know how you fix this kind of, you know, it's so built into the DNA of those organizations at this point. I don't know how you fix those people. Well, it's, um, I've never had a root canal but I have to imagine that, that the kind of <laughs> extraordinarily painful surgical drilling uh, and a slow, torturous process. I mean, imagine like the world's most complex canine, you know, multi-fang root canal that, that instead of lasting 45 minutes, it lasts 45 years. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's with no anesthesia. With no anesthesia. In fact, you know, take some caffeine pills just to amplify, you know, it's uh there's, you know, that is, that is the road to reform. There is no, you know, single slingshot to, uh, you know, slay the Goliath of corruption we're up against, so to speak. Um, now there's been a lot of coping, uh, to, and hoping that, that some magical thing might exist. But, um, I will say as somebody who's, uh, I, don't believe that selling people that is 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 a good solution. At least, like I mean, I remember very vividly when I was talking about all this stuff, you know, all over DC in um in in 2019-2020, and and the response was repeal section 230. You know, said you guys remember this? You know, the platform publisher distinction, and said that's a, we'll just we'll just we'll just reform section 230, and that'll take care of it all. And I'm screaming and I'm saying, you guys looked at the usaspending.gov and the tens of millions of dollars your own administration is paying to you know, to subsidize the censorship of the tens of millions of people who support you. Have any idea what's happening under your nose? No, I don't want to see it. I just want one easy solution that will make all of it go away. I don't even want to know yeah, how bad yeah. the cancer is. Don't tell me, doctor, if the cancer is metastasized in the brain and the lungs. All I know is my tummy hurts. Tell me yeah. what pill to take. It's like, you might need serious chemotherapy, buddy. Like, we're, we're way beyond Tylenol. I mean, we've got this bloated budget, right? And you got this U.S. government funding all these external censorship groups. You mentioned that the venture capitalists are now looking at these censorship organizations to acquire them because it's such a cottage industry and it's so highly profitable, right? Censorship organizations. But what, what's kind of, it, I always think it's you know interesting, right? And how they do such a great job. You, you just talked about it a minute ago, how they change the name of an organization and try to hide its past. You know, they hide their campaigns. They're using words that, that hide what they're really doing you know and you mentioned something i thought that was so you said they launder the acronyms or they launder the words which which is really a camouflaging of the truth right i mean it's incredible how sophisticated they have become at it and they move so quickly is the thing that i'm actually impressed with because at least on our end looking at social media looking at mainstream media and george and i are on it all day long george you, you can comment on this we often look at stuff and we're actually shocked how quickly one of their lies gets perpetuated and propelled 
into the media and into the atmosphere of online, right? It'll go from just a, a short blurb at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday, and by the weekend, it's literally on every single platform, The Atlantic, Daily Beast. It doesn't really matter, Washington Post. It's pretty incredible that that thing's become so organized. Do you even think there's a possibility? And George, what, you, give me your thought on that first, and then I want to ask Mike, free and open internet, is it even possible? Is it possible to have, to get back to what the internet started as, that something that's free and open that isn't controlled from top to bottom by all these groups? Well, Lance, you know, first of all, was it even started like that, or was it controlled from the very beginning? That's what you need to ask. Which we need yeah. to look into. But as far as like the media and, so, and social media, they'll take a lie and they'll put it out there because they're all in bed together. They they all talk and they all have the same narrative. But if like I'm gonna give you an example, was it yesterday, the day before, where the three um two officers and the EMT got um killed in Minnesota? You didn't hear a peep about it on the mainstream media. And sadly, why? Because of the color of the gunman. He wasn't white. He was I think I think he was black man or Spanish man. But if it was the other way around, it'd be all over posted all over the news. It's what they want. It's what they want people to see. But the the grateful thing is that people are, are slowly but starting to get away from mainstream media and coming to shows like here, the Big Meg, because you're not going to get that no more, the truth over there. They just want, and, it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, is the CIA or NSA, FBI, they all have um, their arms in with the media telling them what they want and what they don't want. Yeah, they're all folded under the whole society model. Right. Those are the four quadrants of that whole society of government, private sector, civil society and, and media, media slash fact checking. I mean, they, that was that's a that's a literal you're living under this. OK, like this is not me saying this. This is them. This is they literally organized the whole of society counter misinformation alliance, the whole society counter disinformation framework. I mean, they're they're they this is they, they refer to it so frequently that they apologize for using the, the phrase because it's so hackneyed and cliched and recited, you know, like some sort of, uh, you know, some some holiday song you, you know, you're sick of hearing because, you know, it's played three months after the holidays over. And that's, you know, that's what they're doing years, years after, you know, with with this. But, um, you know, the, the larger way that I see this question of is a free and open internet possible is to not look at freedom as being like, a destination that you arrive at, and especially with all the censorship infrastructure and, and the, the technology that's existed now is 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 uh, well. Let me let me answer this part. I don't really see. I don't see it as a destination so much as an, an asymptote. You know, um, you know how in geometry there's you know yeah, there's like a there's a, a point on a x y axis and an asymptote is with yes. something you know sort of approaches it but never touches. It's constantly getting closer to it, never never exactly touching it. You know, I see the the moral and the in the policy north star here is sort of asymptotically approaching freedom, uh, as opposed to you know one particular end state that you're trying to get back to that is a, a frozen you know a frozen and amber time time capsule of you know 2012 or something. So um, you know, that, and and I do believe that is um, possible in theory. But you could argue maybe space travel, you know, time travel is 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 uh, is possible in theory. Uh, there's there's a there's a you know there's a there's a pretty significant gap between uh, theory and reality. And um, you know, as as I described, you know, it it might take a forty five year 
very painful root canal to uh, to show. We're calling it. We're calling it the Tesla thinks there's some theories that Tesla is actually able to create that, but we don't know whether that's true since we don't know what happened to the Tesla documents. There are arguments that uh, Donald Trump's uh, uncle actually ended up possessing. I think that's one of the theories out there. But go ahead, George. I didn't mean to step on you. I just couldn't help thinking about the Alice Looking Glass Tesla papers that got leaked. (laughs) Go ahead. So the people in our chat uh, coined it now the DC root canal because that's where the it all DC is. DC root yeah, canal. I mean, listen, but we're talking about the media and everything. You would think, you know, the media- maybe the DC, the DC cactus colonic. <laughs> um, I don't know. What about a colonoscopy? But anyway, <laughs> so if you look at the media, they all champion on free speech one A, right? You would think they'd be fighting to get Mike Bench on air on prime time to talk about this. You would think that, but they're not. <laughs> Well, well no, of course they wouldn't. You head like this. What? <laughs> no? You don't want to be on prime time? When You're on you... prime time right now. <laughs> no, no, no. no that, this is the media was getting swallowed whole by a free and open internet. They yeah. want the government to censor. They're not the the, the media who's in, who's who's printing press, you know, State Department press releases. Uh, it is it was getting swallowed in 2016, 2017. By, by citizen journalism and third-party websites and places that had no CIA yeah. or Pentagon back channel. Their business models were getting crushed. They were doing mass layoffs. They were they were losing, you know, I mean, this is why I mentioned. And they still are, I think. Yeah, but there's, there's it's now a much, much more complex ecosystem because you have these so-called yeah. media lit. You have all sorts of grant programs now that are actually essentially government subsidies. Subsidi- I mean, the market is completely different now because they... You know, the, the censorship industry constructed this whole plan to kill programmatic ad revenue. These are things like NewsGuard and Check My Ads and all, you know, this whole cottage industry of gargoyle institutions, which are designed to deprive $2.6 billion of programmatic ad advertising from going to populist websites. There's the, it's a whole other yeah. rabbit hole that's beyond the scope. I think it's but, unlikely that the Big Mig show is going to receive any of those grants with the topics we cover on the show. That is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they want to help us disseminate our message. Uh, messages like yours are what really matter. The truth is, I, my hat's off to you, the empirical evidence and everything that you've provided, the connecting the dots. I can't imagine. How many hours do you think you have into this uh, this study of this this particular vertical, Mike? Got to be plus 10,000 hours, which makes you an expert. But how many do you think? It's been almost every waking moment of my life for eight years. So, you know, whatever that yeah. adds up to. Lance, I got a better question for him. So yeah. when Trump wins this year at election 2024, what position would you like in that administration? Or if you don't want one? <laughs> yeah, that's a look. He's me. Yes. Me? Oh, oh, the other guy uh, behind you. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, I, I'm actually kind of curious. Like, uh, Lance, what, what would you, what would you take? I mean, we already I, know what Lance takes. He wants no, to- no, but you know, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, I want accountability. Right. So when I, when I see people that have the knowledge base and the empirical evidence like you do and have connected all the dots, when I think of that, you're the guy that I want in the inner structure, because to fix this, we're going to have to do a reset. We're going to have to disband a lot of these groups. We're going to have to recreate them from scratch. Now, everybody talks about how cost prohibitive and how impossible that would be. But at the end of the day, somebody like Melee, he took two months and he's now balanced the budget. They always say we can't balance the budget, but the error comes from the root, right? We have to get, in, in in the case of D.C., we have to get from the root to the fruit, right? 
it's kind of a, it's kind of that that's that fraud and that corruption that started as a seed in DC. So for you, yeah, I could easily see you having a high level role at the DOD, DIA, CIA, or otherwise. But to have real impact, you'd have to be within Trump's cabinet. We always joke around the show that I always want not that I'm qualified, but I'd like to be the OIG, and I want my name to be Lance the Grim Reaper Miliacho. And I just want to budget and know which people need to be uh, removed from their roles within government. But I want to see accountability. I want to see legal accountability and consequences. So what you're describing here, in my opinion, is a violation of everything this country stands for. Freedom of speech, freedom of rights, uh, you know, free and fair elections. Uh, the, the fact that they have they have gotten so tied in with the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Pinterest and the and Twitter 1.0, we don't even know what their involvement is at 1.2.0 because we're still seeing lots of suppression over at X. People are complaining about it left and right. As we were joking around, and I'll say this to the audience, we were joking around backstage that we should start talking about Taylor Swift in the middle of our show, that that, in fact, might trick the algos and, of course, not suppress the views or impressions. Yeah, Taylor Swift, Kelsey, uh, let me, Lady Gaga, hopefully that just removed the algos because they heard me say the magic words. But we're being smart asses. So, you know, when I think of you, Mike, I would like to see you directly in a cabinet position. Definitely not a speechwriter. I want to see somebody that can do do effective change. And and, and there's going to be a lot of those roles. There's many people that I'd like to see in there. I'd like to see General Flynn back in there and Brigadier General Anthony Tata, Dr. Jan Halper. Uh, you know, when I think of that, I'd like to see Cash Patel back in there, Dan Scavino. I don't want to see Pompeo in there. There's many of the old cabinet people that I do not trust. And I think there's going to have to be some real policy changes if you agree with this. What, what do you think, Mike? I think is much more important than what I think. Well, I think my role, um, in a way, I have, I have a story to tell and a mission that I, I see myself on that... Um, uh, is is parallel to what happens, I suppose, in the political world. But in a certain sense, is um, you know, it's a Venn diagram that sort of overlaps with it in some respects, but in other respects, doesn't. I don't know if, if my role is actually just to uh, finish my book, <laughs> if that, even if that takes another another eight years. Uh, so I don't, uh, I, I don't know. It's um, you know, I, I have I have a song to sing, and I'm just gonna. Uh, keep singing it until I feel like it's sung. Well, I think you I think you are singing the right tune. I think you're having a major impact. I saw the reactions off the last couple of interviews. I think you are waking people up and I, and I my hat's off to you. I got to tell you, I think you're a great American patriot that cares about the country. I have the same position. I'd fight for anybody's rights on either side of the aisle, but you know, I'm I'm at the core of it. I'm a constitutionalist. I believe that the founders and framers had already dealt with this kind of corruption overseas. I think that what's happened is we just haven't paid close enough attention to what our political leaders are doing and we've allowed them too much room to to navigate and through that navigation they become elitist demigod-like thinkers they believe that they're justified in all their actions and that somehow the people are irrelevant or below them and of course that's not what i think uh i want to see consequences for that sort of behavior listen mike we're out of time for tonight but i just want to tell you i want to give you an opportunity Tell them about your website, where they can find you, your social media, and anything else you have going on, because I am sure you are just slammed right now. So go ahead, buddy. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the best place to find me is on X. It's at Mike Ben Cyber. I am uh, hyperactive uh, on, on that. That's definitely the best place to find me all throughout the day. 
And uh, my foundation's website is foundationforfreedomonline.com. We publish, I think, best in the industry investigative reporting on the censorship industry. So that's foundationforfreedomonline.com and at Mike Benz Cyber, all one word. Mike, I just want to thank you for our listeners and subscribers. Uh, I'm really thankful that you took the time out to meet with us tonight. We're definitely going to have to have you back on. There's so definitely. many different, definitely so many channels of information that you open up. You know, uh, really, you open the door, you pull back the curtain for people. I just want you to keep up the good work. Hopefully, uh, Trump will be in soon enough, and hopefully, I'll see your face right there in the main cabinet positions. That's what I'd like to see because I think you're somebody that could make effective change happen because you've identified the problem. That's what, what it takes to fix something, right? You have to identify the problem first. George, what else have you got before we wrap it up here? No, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Um, the chat was going. Um very crazy for you today. And he's out of time, George. Oh, they were happy. So we definitely want you to come back on. You're welcome anytime. Okay. So. Thanks, George. Thanks, Lance. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. I, appreciate I, you. I mean, to, I just no, no, way that's right. great. Thank I'm you very much. Okay. Have a great night. Have a good night. Go ahead, Lance. You want to just take over? Oh, go ahead. You take us out, George. All right, we thank want to thank everybody. everybody for listening to the Big Mig Show. Make sure you uh, follow us on X, the Big Mig Show, Lance Miliaccio, George Ballant, oh, G Ballantine, I'm sorry, geez. Yeah. Locals. <laughs> they didn't give you your vow back yet, buddy. Yeah. Locals, Rumble, everywhere else, it's the Big Mig. Um, Truth Social, Getter, it's Lance Miliaccio, George Ballantine, my personal assistant, Richard Sparza, who's MIA right now. I don't know why, but he is. But we appreciate it. We appreciate all your donations that you guys gave us tonight. It uh, helps keep this show going and running. It's nothing like And one uh, more thing. I want to remind everybody, George, because you've been doing such an amazing job. You can find us on pretty much every audio podcast platform on the globe now. We're on Ghana. We've been, proved over, been approved over there. We're on Apple, Google Podcasts, uh, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Podbean, you name it. We are literally available everywhere. If you just want to listen to the audio files, you also catch our radio shows. We're going to be doing some exclusive audio shows also. So you're going to want to make sure you're following your favorite audio cast platforms. And then, of course, as always, you know, we're on all the other platforms, Tumblr and uh, True Social and Getter and Gab and LinkedIn. George. All right. So I got a, um, another announcement. Tomorrow night at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, we have a show. We have Clay Clark coming on. Mm. We had a good times last night. Last time I had to kidnap him and kept him longer. Let's see if I can go two for two. I'll try my best. 5.30 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night, Clay Clark on the Big MIG. Y'all have a good night. Love you all. Gear up for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom.
Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup, a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee. Make your mornings great again. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98 or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98 or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome to the next generation of warfare, psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now. 